It is Wednesday, December 9th. It's time for Steve Sachs Syndrome. I am Scott Bond. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff happening. Like so it, much. Yeah, it's like a it's a like a grab bag show. Like we'll gra- reach into the grab, re- <laughs> reach into the bag, pull it out, and we'll see what we got. Um, one thing that I know we have is we have um, old friend David Smiley, um, who has been on the show once or twice. Uh, he'll be on a, a little bit later to talk about a few of his favorite teams, but. Yeah, lots of stuff in the world of sports. We do want to recognize um, some local sports happening. Um, yeah. Sort of right off the bat, um, a few weeks ago on our show, we had Deb Bradford from the Asheville Buncombe Regional Sports Commission. I got it again. You did it. Um, and uh, he Nailed talked it. about the Maui Invitational uh, coming here to the mountains. Uh, and that is currently happening now uh happened over uh it it, it is done at this point um and it was great uh so i was gonna say this is usually where i check in saying did you see the game um i'm I'm gonna say i did Uh, i got to watch some of the games Uh, i admit i was somewhat selfishly watching because uh, Mm -hmm. when demp was on he mentioned the idea of uh customized cardboard cutouts um, um for the stands uh my brother-in-law, uh, Jamie, James Hall, uh, had said he had always wanted to attend the Maui Invitational. When he heard he was coming to Asheville, he was all excited, only to find out that there were no fans allowed. So I, I found a way to have his photo represented um, uh, in the stands, uh, or at least so I assume. The order went through, but they did not really spend a lot of time showing the cardboard cutouts. Instead, they focused on the game, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what your priorities are. Um, so I kept going. Wait, is that him? Is that him? Because there was about forty kind of cutouts, you know, behind one of the the backboards. Um, <laughs> so I was sort of watching it. But there, there, there was there was good basketball. Um, so the Tar Heels, UNC. Wait, wait. Uh, did I? Did you send him the receipt to be like, look, Jamie, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> like here, see, like I we. Did, oh, oh, did I send you this? I thought I was sending it to my accountant, <laughs> but I guess if you saw it and what I did pay for this, yes. Uh, so gift was made in your honor. <laughs> this has been notarized by. Uh, uh, no, uh, well, sort of, but no. Um, but no, good basketball was had. They, had, you know, good good teams. You know, can, so UNC made it to the. Um, you know, the final game where they uh, played off, uh, played against University of Texas, uh, Shaka mm-hmm. Smart, um, mm-hmm. uh, coaching them. And uh, yeah, it was a really good final game. Um, but yeah, it's, but, you know, Indiana, Stanford, Davidson, Providence, maybe was the other one. Um, yeah. But good stuff. And yeah, and the, the court, again, Asheville looked great. Yeah. Um, and not because I had put his picture in the stands, but, uh, you know, trading. Uh, text with my brother-in-law he was like wow this is like one big great commercial for Asheville uh, and it really was the court looked fantastic the new scoreboard everything Demp was talking about although I will say it did involve Bill Walton calling the games oh yeah and that man has lost his damn mind I mean oh my <laughs> god I know there's a certain charm to like him just sort of spinning off on things it, it's it's it, it has gotten to a place where the guy that he, uh, you know, calls games with, you just go, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry yeah. that you have to try to spin this back into some coherent linear coverage of an <laughs> event where he's just 
so clearly Bill Walton looked up Mount Pisgah. So we yeah. kept going, to the Pisgah! Take it to Pisgah! <laughs> like, I don't think we say to Pisgah. Like, no one really says that around here kind of thing. But wow, Bill Walton is just a, a careening, you know, cart of rocks coming down a, a, a yeah. steep hill. Yeah, he's like his own planet, you know? He has his own gravitational pull, his own, like, language, his own, like, geography and, like, um, biological systems that he responds to. Like, he's his own entity. I've loved him. I mean, I, I, I... Sometimes I vehemently disagree with his basketball opinions, but I've loved him since the uh, the days of him calling the NBA with Steve Snapper Jones. And I, I remember like sometimes just in the middle of he'd be calling like Sacramento Kings back when they were relevant. He'd be yelling, <laughs> where's Bobby Jackson? Why isn't Bobby Jackson on the floor? So that is something that I can always say to my friends to be, where's Bobby Jackson? Awesome. That is where, and I think we're aware of it, we are coming to you via Zoom right now. We are pre-recording this uh, over a Zoom session. And yeah, there is a certain give and take that's tricky on Zoom, Mm -hmm. um, that Bill Walton is just in his living room watching a (laughs) monitor of a game. So there's not that sense of, oh, there's another person that I should stop for and (laughs) let them speak. So he just goes. He's got another store. Oh, volcanoes molly wow he's just like anything <laughs> and so, larry bird yes. yeah so yeah. without someone else in the room to kind of give him the little hand gesture of like Shh, like let me let me I, yeah. I, I gotta read i have to do kind of thing he just was yeah going and going and going and going but it, it ended up being a great event um with again a great final game uh which involved a buzzer beater um mm-hmm. with texas beating uh north carolina 69 67 uh yeah yeah, with Matt Coleman hit a uh, a very Kobe esque kind of you know rise up jumper, hit the front rim, bounced up and dropped you know dropped in. Um, yeah, it was a really exciting game. Uh, so one cool thing is that the state of North Carolina has the rare distinction of being the only state to host the Rose Bowl and the Maui Invitational because North Carolina, due to World War II, hosted the Rose Bowl back in 1942. We should bring on Mike Vega or Ed Southern, someone who can uh, bring the the good historical <laughs> sports lens to that. But North Carolina hosted uh, the Rose Bowl in 1942 and now the Maui Invitational. That's awesome. And there is talk that there might be more of that mm-hmm. as more and more games are being canceled. For example, you had a one versus two matchup this week, Gonzaga and Baylor, yeah. that hours before the game was supposed to happen got canceled. I mean, I, I turned it on and they sort of had the coaches in separate screens kind of like talking like, yeah, it's, 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 it's disappointing, but you do what you can't, you know. So um, there was an article in the Citizen Times about how this, this bubble m- might come more and more into play. Yes, because NCAA, NFL, everybody just wants to have games played whenever possible. Yes, they want it to be safe, but they just can't keep canceling games. So um, don't be surprised if somehow action returns to Asheville sometime soon. Yeah, um, I heard this with uh, the University of Buffalo. I didn't go there, but my dad taught there and I have lots of friends who went there. They were actually in a bus driving to Miami of Ohio, got word uh, like on the cell phone, that we're going to have to cancel this game. They pulled into a rest area, took a bio break, turned around, drove back to <laughs> Buffalo. 
bio break. Nice. So yeah, that's let's. Not, that's not my term. Um, let's hear it for schedulers. You know, people who yes, don't get enough right, right. don't get enough credit as someone who was an event planner and things like that. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Yeah. So the big story this week, jumping over to college football, mm-hmm. it was um, BYU uh, was undefeated up into this week and was unable to uh, play the game that they were supposed to play. Um, and they were frustrated because they just wanted to continue to get some games in to try to climb in, in the ranks, you know, to try to get into a bowl game, you know, the, the, the final, you know, the 12 there. For, um, so somehow they figured out, like, make some calls. Coastal Carolina, who was supposed to play Liberty this weekend, same thing. That game was canceled due to Liberty having some uh, corona concerns. Um, so schedulers get out of the All right, great. We can do this. Great. All right. BYU just started driving, um, not knowing necessarily where they're going to play. And yeah. somehow it got figured out. And so they came to Coastal Carolina, which is, you know, in, in South Carolina there, and had one of the best games of the year. Mm-hmm. Um with this incredible, you know, because, I mean, Coastal Carolina is is in the top 25. I think they were ranked 18th, maybe, at that point. Um, and it was an incredible game with um, a, a finish similar to the Super Bowl with the Rams and the Titans, with mm-hmm. uh, a pass being made and a guy being tackled just short of the goal line that would have put a BYU ahead, but instead comes up short, Coastal Car- Carolina, the Chanticleers. Um, the yeah. Coastal Carolina Chanticleers ending up getting a great victory and a, a really great for, I mean, people consider the Southwest, you know, big for football, but they think of the SEC. So getting, um, you know, Coastal Carolina kind of more on the map as App State has done recently mm-hmm. and otherwise. So, uh, yeah, just hooray for them for they talk about, oh, well, we wish, but these things are planned kind of years ahead and everything. Like, really? Because we got on a bus and we, we had a game by the time uh, we got off, you know. So, uh, yeah. hooray for schedulers. Yeah, Coastal Carolina is in Conway, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's it's on the road to Myrtle Beach. If you ever drive to Myrtle Beach, you pretty much are going to drive through Conway and you'll you'll pass Coastal Carolina Stadium on the way. And uh, it tells you the kind of strangeness of the season when it's like coastal Carolina's in the top 25 playing BYU also like with uh, the top 12 aspirations, just uh, a a strange anonymous. And now they're probably in the top 15 um, with that win. But yeah, really great. And anytime you can have cause to mention Chauncey, the Chanticleer, um, the yes. Coastal Carolina mascot. Uh, it's a good week. Yeah, it is a good week. Uh, uh, yep. Yeah, lots of lots of weird stuff. Uh, yeah, very strange. And speaking of App State, uh, they you just forget. You know, you're just oh, we just got to play the games and all that stuff. But you forget how important these games are to some teams. So. They had a. They were this late Saturday night game on ESPN this week as they played Louisiana Lafayette. I think mm-hmm. they just go by Louisiana these days, but I like adding the Lafayette. Sure. Um, and it was a, a crazy game back and forth where Louisiana is up by seven late. They end up giving up two safeties along the way in in holding on for a win as their long snapper was just having a terrible day. It was very cold and rainy, but yeah. he definitely threw three snaps high over the head of the punter. One just went really far early in the game. Uh, one went into the end zone, and the punter went and just kind of kicked it back. And then the other one, they did intentionally. They're like, 
let's just have you like throw it into the end zone because we know that'll only be two points kind of thing. It was just a really, and then uh, App State ended up missing a 30 year old, 30, 30 year old, 30 yard field goal right at the end of the game. But Louisiana had never beat a top 25 team. App State was ranked in the top 25. They hadn't beat App State the last eight times they had played them. So I know we're all like, yeah, if it's not a national championship, like who cares about this game? For, you could tell Louisiana that was It'll such happen. an important yeah. game for them. They were so amped to win that game. We uh, we also had a strange score uh, in the NFL. We'll be talking about the NFL a little bit more later in the show. But uh, the Seahawks played the Giants, and at halftime it was five to nothing. <laughs> and so that was the first um, five to nothing halftime score in the NFL since Week Three, nineteen twenty seven, between the Providence Steamrollers. Uh, who were leading five nothing at halftime against the Buffalo Bisons? Um, so yeah, again, just strange stuff happening in the world. Crazy year. I'll throw one last weird statistic at yeah, you. Yeah, bring it. So when the Saints uh, play the Vikings on Christmas Day, which is a Friday, the yes. NFL will have played a game on every single day of the week this season. Uh. I don't know that that's ever happened before. I sort of figured that out myself because yeah. um, I was like, "Wow, a Wednesday game!" I was like, "Wait." Are we going to play a game? And everyone's like, yep, we do have a rare Friday game. So they will have played a game on every day of the week this year, which, again, just get used to it. All this is just the NFL's plan so they yeah. can take over every night. That's every what we, were, we were talking about that in past weeks that, you know, they're, they're okay to use this as like, oh, we have to have a Tuesday night game. It wouldn't be bad to have some data on tuesday night games you know friday that's going to be a weird one because it'll be christmas day but Mm -hmm. still uh it's awfully strange (laughs) it is uh well cool uh so crazy fun time that we're in so again congratulations to coastal carolina for scheduling the game showing up and winning that game all right, we're back here on the show and uh, thrilled to be um, bringing back on to the show an old guest um, who has been on the show once or twice, old friend David Smiley. David, say hello, and then I'll, I'll give us some background about who you are. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. <laughs> we like having you on, David. Um, I like having you back on. Uh, David and I work together for a number of years for ASAP, Appalachian Sustainable Agriculture Project. You still work there, right? I do, yes. The office is closed, but we're still very much alive. You haven't gone to work for Monsanto or anything like that? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been courted just yet. Okay, Uh, that's good. And one of the great things about um, when David started working at ASAP was for a long time, I there was nobody else that I could really talk to about anything that I was interested in. Movies, television show, music, and especially sports. And then suddenly, at some point, David started and it was like, wait, you're a sports fan? You're a sports fan. And so we, there were lots of conversations in the, in the kitchen area where our staff members would be like, are you guys speaking a different language? <laughs> um, and so, David, now that you are working from home, have you gotten a chance to connect with anybody over sports, or is it still just like people looking at you blankly? Uh, yeah, mostly the latter. Yeah, I think we always <laughs> joke that I was hired specifically to talk sports with Scott because no one else wanted to. And 
I think I've become the Scott, unfortunately. <laughs> and, and Old and grizzled and jaded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've taken your role and perhaps someday there will be a new hire to fill my role. But until then, you know, I'm just silently eating in the kitchen thinking about sports. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. I like it's the reverse. You know, there's kind of the standard sitcom trait of like you know the guy has to hire the nanny so of course he's hiring the like you know the the young attractive inexperienced one and the wife wants to you know hire the like old british nanny you're doing the opposite instead of hiring like the young kid there's just like a guy with a cigar kind of like talking about boxing you know like let's hire him he has no experience give him what he wants but he was at the ice bowl yeah <laughs> well, it's so good to to see. You. I I think also in past gatherings since I've left ASAP, we've seen each other, and we'll be like, "Hey, how are things? How's life?" Okay, what do you think about Todd Man? <laughs> so, uh, so that's why we have a forum in order to do that. So we'll talk about the NFL um, a little bit later in the program. But yeah, one of the big things is um, when you joined, it was like, "Oh, you know the Premier League? You actually know it really well." And so one of the things is uh, you are a Tottenham fan, and I know we've gone over this before, but how did you um, sort of claim Tottenham as your favorite team? Yes, uh, above all uh, above all sports things these days, Tottenham is my love for sure. Um, and it started back in 06. I, I think every American Premier League fan has their own kind of origin story <laughs> um, because we don't come to the game naturally for most folks. Um, you know, we don't have a relationship with England, but the product is so, so good. And so I came to love Tottenham back in 06. I think it was the 06 World Cup, one of those four-year increments. Um, and you also played yeah. soccer, right? Oh, very, yeah. yeah. Since almost birth, yes. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> back in 06, there was a very pacey winger named Aaron Lennon, mm-hmm. who was coming on for David Beckham. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> for England in the World Cup. And... Um, I'm a smaller man. You might not be able to tell by my voice, um, but Aaron uh, Lennon a weekend. Uh, was this okay? <laughs> by my voice, you can tell I'm five five and about 140 pounds. Yeah. Um, so Aaron Lennon was this pacey winger that was coming in for this superstar and just crushing it in the World Cup as this like great, you know, fast guy, young guy exchange for an older, you know, David Beckham and just crushing it in the World Cup. And I came to be interested in this guy just naturally because he was the exact same size as me. And there's very few professional players that are exactly my size. You know, soccer is a smaller man's game, but uh, that was uh, particularly specific. And came to learn he played for Tottenham, looked up who this strange club was. And uh, I came in at a very, very interesting time in Tottenham's history. Um, They were at a very flashy, fun stage. The defense was terrible. Um, but the offense was amazing. You had um, Robbie Keane and Dimitar Berbatov leading the front line um, and just scoring a ton of goals. Uh, there were so many matches that ended like 3-3, 4-4. A uh, joy to watch, and that was back in the day when you were watching like pixelated streets, uh, streams of like eight <laughs> pixels, and you're like, I th- I'm pretty sure that was a goal, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was awesome. So, I mean, we've really grown a lot. Uh, as a nation of Premier League supporters <laughs> since there. And I'm glad we, ha- we, we have, yeah. Um, before we get to this season, um, Tottenham has a very particular place in terms of who they are in the Premier League. Um, uh, 
we are all lovers of Men in Blazers, the uh, podcast that celebrates the Premier League and uh, soccer. Uh, and they coined, maybe I think they coined the phrase, that's so Spursy. Um, yes. Talking about yes. Tottenham Hotspur, Spurs is the thing. That just, there's something about Tottenham where you think that they're either in a game or in a season where they're rolling along, things are looking good, and then some twist happens and Tottenham just has the proverbial football pulled away by Lucy to them to switch soccer metaphors. So uh, is that a good summation of who Tottenham is or am I being unfair? No, I think that's fair. And I'm like, I'm honestly getting sweaty just thinking about it. (laughs) Um, So Tottenham's always played, you know, great soccer, beautiful soccer, but have been, you know, kings of their own demise. Anytime you think victory, you know, is in your hand, anytime there's a chance for glory, um, at the waning moments, it slips away and and typically just extremely painfully so. Um, And so there's been a lot of heartbreak, but a lot of joy. And, you know, your average result has been a, a pretty good team that hasn't quite been great. Until perhaps recently. Yes, because I, I know you were a little weary to come on, David, because when you last joined us on the show, yes, Tottenham was a pretty good team, enjoying the sort of just below the top success. Uh, but since then, they sort of had a collapse, lost a coach, and then sort of bottomed out. But here they are, made a... Uh, I don't know about controversial, but, uh, you know, anytime a team brings in Jose Mourinho as their coach, people are like, oh, really? Um, but so far, so good uh, until you came on the show. Uh, and now everything will go south from here. But um, but yeah, so uh, take us through that, you know, as they kind of, you know, got rid of the coach who brought them a lot of good, you know, Champion League wins and things. Um, and then how you felt when they chose to bring uh, Jose Mourinho on as your new manager. Sure. So like a quick recap, uh, Mauricio Pochettino had been the coach of Tottenham for a, a, a few years now and really had brought the club the closest it's ever been to its like former glory of like the 60s. Um, really had a great few years finishing in the top four, which is important in the Premier League. For quite a few years in a, low, in a row, I would say they've achieved the status of a, a very good club. Perhaps, mm-hmm. perhaps not a top club, but a very good club under Pochettino. Um, they made it to the Champions League final in fairy tale fashion. It was just a uh, just a blast of a run in with come behind victories, the opposite of Spursy for sure, and had a just a heartbreaking Champions League final. Terribly boring. Um, <laughs> I came on the show shortly thereafter, a few games yeah. in the Premier League season. You asked me how I was feeling, and I said measured at the time. It was a slower <laughs> start of the year, but there was a little bit of a Champions League hangover. Uh, which never, which never quite, you know, was recovered from, I'd say. I think there was just too much heartbreak and the team couldn't get over it. They, they went through too much. I think everyone was just terribly depressed. And that, my measured status went to Tottenham going on a string of losses, being in 14th in the Premier League, mm. uh, Pochettino getting fired, uh, our, our savior as a coach getting fired, who brought us, like, again, perhaps our greatest heights in a long, long time. And then a man who many uh, compared to kind of 
kind of the evil genius of the soccer world being brought in to save the club. Yeah, and uh, I've enjoyed every moment of it since. It's been <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Yeah, you could call him sort of Portuguese Bill Belichick. You know, he has a very sort of dark Lord Sith. Um, feeling of it uses the kind of dark arts um but also has a very sort of particular european bent to it but yeah like i i remember asking you like what what do you think about Mourinho coming board and you're like yeah i'm i'm just all in like sure let's try it like why why not you know and uh yeah and, and it seemed like last year you know it's just working up to the beginning of this year um it was like okay like building blocks sort of establishing a system tottenham going up in the standings but not a you know not a great finish where did they finish seventh last year they fin- finished sixth. sixth so they were 14th when when Mourinho took over yeah. and while he was coach coach last year based on his points they would have finished fourth but they just started so far back that they finished yeah. sixth. so ultimately a pretty good run and Harry Kane's son, Sissoko, Lloris, and a few other players were all injured during that spell, and yeah. they still finished sixth. So, you know, all things considered, not bad. Everything was kind of against him that first year. And COVID hit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it was very weird. And then we had the sort of recap, and they played very well in uh, coming back, whatever the reset or whatever it was. But then I, they brought in a lot of new players in the transfer window. And I remember texting you, and I said, what do you think about this season? And you came back with a bold statement. You said, this is the best team Tottenham has had in years. Um, oh. And, and I was like, oh, that's really, really interesting. And so far... That has played out to uh, uh, right now. If you're looking at the Premier League table, Tottenham is in first place. With that, without a doubt, yeah, I think I texted you. This team is a monster, yeah. um, and they absolutely are. They're they're too deep at every position, which you know, from a financial st- standpoint, Tottenham has not been able to do. They've brought in a few new players that have just been terrific. Uh, key with them on, among them is Hoybier. Um, who's our new defensive midfielder from Southampton. He came in for not a huge transfer fee, and he has just been fantastic. I am, like, you know, just a huge, huge fan of his. He's turned the team around. Uh, he's He seems like the Terminator. He's just simply unstoppable. He plays 90 minutes twice a week, is completely flawless in positioning and passing and tackling and never, never tires all match long. Uh, he's just been such a joy to watch, and he's such a Mourinho player as – Tactically, he's perfect, and he's just all about being defensive and getting stuck in and being at the right place and playing out that, you know, those those tough end-of-game, scoreless games, yeah. They do have a, a, a nice setup right now in that they are a system with two genuine offensive stars. So they will clamp down. They are totally comfortable with the, letting the other team have almost twice the possession time, but they will just give you no room to do anything. But if you make... A small mistake, they'll just like pass it to center, and then it's either Harry Kane to Son or Son to Harry Kane, and those two are just gifted that if you give them three opportunities in a game, they will score twice. You know, Um, yeah. Seeing those two work together has just been outstanding, and so it's similar. And you you hope that when the U.S. men's team finally gets to play, they've had that system for a long time where they will clamp down the play great difference, but there's nobody to then go ahead and make a, a beautiful goal when you need it. 
And um, yeah, so just watch Tottenham play. They do not put a lot of shots on goal. They'll put maybe, again, five shots on goal. Three of them will go in beautifully. So yeah. that, that must yeah, be the nice system, to watch. This, the system works a lot better when you're passing to Sonny Kane than Josie Altidore, it turns yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like, uh, I know, Tom, I, you, you were, you're a City fan. Um, they got a huge win against City just a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, the most uh, comfortable match I've seen Tottenham play against City ever. It just seemed oh, yeah. like it was never too much in doubt. And they had three shots the entire game, I think, on target, one, two, nothing. And, you know, Marino's brought these qualities to a team that has never had them. He's, he's kind of the anti-Spursy. He's not a guy that gives up late goals. He locks down. And they've never been clinical. They've never been a team that has three shots and scores two goals. Um, so, you know, the transformation is, is certainly underway. I hope it keeps going. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is like textbook counterattacking football. Like, this is like when you, you know, Mourinho has just established that uh, or perfected that system, I think, probably better than anyone at the at the club level, especially when he has the tools to do it. Um, and it's that, I mean, what's remarkable, we've got to take a break here in a minute, but like you talk about the depth, like they haven't even needed to use Gareth Bale, who is their biggest you know, person that they've brought in in the transfer window who was a superstar a couple of years ago. He, he doesn't quite have the same form, but Tottenham hasn't even needed to use it so far, which is what's been remarkable. He's just there and not even playing in games. It's it's really something to see. Yeah, it's not bad to have Bale on your bench. He, he yeah. hasn't looked great when he's come on. He kind of looks like he fits more on... Barley's FC than Tottenham, but uh, you know maybe he's saving it for the second half. It, he's he's got plenty of time to find his form, and he's still Gareth Bale at the end of the day. So yeah, hopefully, but, hopefully, second half of the season he's coming back strong. Yeah. Speaking of looking great, they also just make for great television. I mean, Son is literally a beautiful player. He's yeah. a handsome South Korean player. He's got this infectious smile. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Cristiano Ronaldo, the way he takes those kind of like tiny ballet steps kind of thing to like, you know, pace himself. Um, uh, he's just, you know, total. <laughs> he's just a handsome, delightful fellow who's great. And then Harry Kane, who's been there for a while, is also great for me. Harry Kane looks like what we thought uh, Haley Joe Osment would look like when he grew up. Um, uh, uh, and. Again, so they just again they're they're just compelling. They're you know they're not like oh this guy sort of looks like he's gonna you know like won a bunch of bar fights and ended up on a soccer field. Nope, these are you know the soft focus you know <laughs> shots like Cristiano Ronaldo. You're know, like oh my god, that just always looks so perfect. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm so jealous again of that. So watching Man City play them. So again, I do think Kevin De Bruyne is still one of the most gifted players, but he's doing these like gifted, you know, passes up front to guys who just don't do what Harry Kane and, and Son do with the ball, you know, which is put it into the net at these ridiculous angles and uh, perfect deceptions. So I'm just so jealous to have that talent at the end of, you know, entry passes. Yeah. It's been so glorious to watch Son and Kane play together. Uh, Sun's second in the league with goals right now, with 10, 10 goals. And as you said, Tom, uh, he is just a joy to watch, like human embodiment of joy and happiness and kindness. Kind of, I think he's one of the closest replacements for Ronaldo we've had in the Premier League since Ronaldo, except he's like the, the nice Ronaldo, you know, <laughs> yes. the likable Ronaldo. Yeah, 
and Kane uh, first in the Premier League with assists. He's dropped deeper um, to help the team build up in these counterattacks while still scoring a ton. And it just they're reading each other's minds right now. It's, it's so much fun to to watch. And as you said, Tom, up front they're not a bar fight team, but we got we got the bar fighters in defense, which oh, I think sure we've do. been lacking dearly for a long time. So kind of you know beauty up front and bar fight in the back strategy, which is really <laughs> really nice to watch. And from from a tac- tactical standpoint, which Mourinho's pure tactics, it's, it's just been so so amazing to watch him work. Okay, we're back here on Steve Sack Syndrome. We've been talking about English Premier League soccer, but now we move over to American football with the National Football League. As we said at the very top of the hour, uh, it's been a wacky, wacky week, um, uh, wacky year for sports. That's one way to describe it. Uh, but also, we wanted to bring on David Smiley not only for his uh, English Premier League chops, uh, but he is a fan of the NFL. You are a fan of the NFL. And your favorite team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And one of the th- reasons I said, hey, the Steelers are undefeated. And, uh, like, let's do that. And, again, you were wary about coming on because of Tottenham. But then we're going to air. This is We're recording this on Monday night, airing on Wednesday. And I just broke the news to you that the Pittsburgh Steelers did indeed lose to Washington football team. <laughs> yeah so there it is the steve sacks curse is real it's instant yeah, yes exactly <laughs> we haven't even finished the show <laughs> real time cursing we're getting more potent <laughs> um, we're an elixir now we can just drop it right into your drink yeah but you did say <laughs> david that uh it's been kind of hard for you to just lock into the steelers season this year yeah, and you know, some a lot of that is pandemic derived. It's it's been difficult to ex- get excited for some things in this new world of ours. Uh, just a brief mention of the Premier League. You know, I was not involved with the Premier League at all until I saw Gareth Bale was resigned back mm. in. You know, that's all it took. Yeah, uh, Steelers. You know, I've said in the past on the show the way the leagues run. Not to get too much into it, I'm not opting out, but it's helped. It's made me kind of fall out of love with the NFL. The product's mm. not great. A lot of the stances the league's the league takes I I think are the wrong ones, but I'm not being like I'm not boycotting it, just falling out of love. And so there's been other things in my world and I have seen one of your favorite team who I've I've followed the Steelers my whole life and they've always been my number one team. You know, I've I've stayed with them through Tommy Maddox Back in the day, some dark days, you know, <laughs> until now. And now they're 10-0 and two weeks ago. And I realized I haven't watched a moment, mainly because I'm just less in love with the NFL now. And so Thanksgiving rolled around two weeks ago. And I, I tried my darndest to watch that game. Um, but the pandemic struck and, you know, the game got pushed back twice um, due to COVID. And then they aired it at, uh, I think, 1 o'clock on a Wednesday. Yeah, something like that, yes. Yeah, that's a tough time to make, for sure. And then this week, I was really looking forward to watching my first game in preparation for the show and getting behind the team. And I will say, I'm pretty sure Bud Dupree got injured as soon as you texted me last week, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Anything that bad that happens to you in your life on me and Steve Sack Syndrome, I can take that. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure Mike Tom is getting fired at the end of the year. Um, just the way this goes, yeah. Now, <laughs> and then this week, yeah, the the game's not televised anywhere locally. So mm. I know the NFL has a very odd agreement with uh, League Pass, and this has kind of been absorbed by that. So a little bit of falling in love. I'm trying, or falling out of love. I'm trying my best to watch it again. Um, but hopefully this hasn't begun a downward slide for the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do want to um, recognize, Tom, that your team, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, was able to win this week. Um, uh, and you had a, a sort of, yeah, it was an up and down um, week for the Raiders, I guess you could say. Were you able to watch it live? Uh, I was not. Or following um, along. Yeah. yeah, that was not uh, covered as the local game because um, right. they'd much rather have us watch the Falcons uh, this week <laughs> or, or otherwise. Um, so, no, I, I just, you know, followed on the phone, which is uh, very frustrating um, only to find out what? That, um, yeah, somehow they found a way to be losing to the winless New York Jets and be down by four with less than two minutes left and and uh, give the ball over on downs. So I'm like, well, clearly this game is over. And you have found a way after beating the Chiefs and the Saints, which to the most regard is the two, two of the best teams in the league. Um, you have found a way to lo- lose to the Falcons, uh, just get you know, uh, crushed, and then the following week lose to the Jets. Congratulations, you've done it again. I got a little emotional in my metaphors last week. <laughs> but uh, it took something. No, I'll give the Raiders credit. They did make the Jets uh, do a three and out. That does take effort on the defensive side. Um, but it took a call on the behalf of the New York Jets uh, defensive coach. Um, that was such a misinformed choice that he was fired the next day. So, yes, yeah. Greg Williams um, is the, the defensive coordinator. Um, some may remember him from Bounty Gate with the with the Saints kind of thing. But yeah, he called an all-out blitz, a zero blitz, I guess they call it, um, in which just everybody rushes and you leave these kind of rookie cornerbacks in single coverage, covering one of the fastest guys ever, you know, coming out of uh, uh, Alabama, Ruggs there. And to Derek Carr's credit, he does step through the, the pressure a little bit and just lofts a 55-yard pass. Boop! Touchdown, we win. Um, so it is nice to win, but you also recognize, yeah, but we don't deserve to win. You know, like, <laughs> you, you, you can only get so drunk on the fumes of a mistake victory. Um, so we'll see. It, you know, so they're still in playoff contention, and, you know, so they'll have to, you know, you're not going to get away with that next week against the Indianapolis Colts, but uh, somehow maybe this is some sort of, we were given a second chance. Let, let's make the most of it. We'll see. But uh, yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's, it, it should never have been necessary. David, have you been following the saga of the New York Jets this year and the thing of like, well, we're really bad, but maybe we get Trevor Lawrence. Is this a good thing? Have you been following that at all? I haven't. Was was Le'Veon on the Jets to start the year? He sure yeah, he, was. He was, and they cut him, and now he's on the Chiefs. Uh, and it, seems to be playing great on the Chiefs. He's been okay. Because um, yeah. they don't need him to do much. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like we need you to make three plays a game. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. So the, uh, the jets are just, yeah. I, I was thinking about, yeah, Greg Williams got fired today. There was a lot of things of like, is he in on the tank? You know, is that why he called the all out blitz? And I think, um, Jets management was probably like, we really don't need that talk going around. But as you say, you know, Greg Williams was part of Bounty Gate. He was also defensive coordinator for the Browns, who also went 0-16. He was the DC for that team as well. At some point, it's got to be like, maybe we should stop hiring Greg Williams. You know, like, I don't don't think his, his best days are sort of with him right now. There was lots of people on the the sports talks today saying, no, that's what he does. One guy, you know, played. He was like, we were losing a game 49-0 where he was the defensive coordinator of the of the team that was ahead. And they still zero blitz packaged with five seconds left. Kind of thing. It's like, that's that's what he does. You know, his playbook is thin. You know, it was like, right. let's just send everybody again. Yeah. Um, so people were like, you shouldn't be surprised. You know, it's surprising that he did that. But you shouldn't be surprised because that's what he's always done. Uh, David, have you, um, uh, I know that you're an NBA fan and we want to get to some NBA while you're here, but um, the Chiefs, we mentioned them before, they're probably the most NBA team out of any NFL team. Have you been able to sort of bring in Pat Mahomes and the and the Chiefs at all? Uh, haven't caught much. I like the Chiefs. Uh, yeah. I love Le'Veon. I mean, they seem the team to be in the NFL right now. Um, but yeah. You know, my relationship with the NFL is mixed still, yeah. and perhaps it will improve, uh, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Then let's bring it back to, so you mentioned Mike Tomlin being fired at the end of the year, to which I would say, as a Steelers hater still, you shut your wet mouth. Um, because <laughs> Mike Tomlin is one of the better things about the NFL, because like, he is just exactly Mike Tomlin all the time. Um one thing I'm surprised about, which is, again, my wife will sort of like wander through, you know, when I'm watching sports, like, oh, and, and she likes the Steelers because her grandfather liked the Steelers. He was from Pittsburgh. Oh, is that my Steelers kind of thing? And she will say like, oh, is that the, is, is that the coach that I think is so handsome? And I was like, really? Um, so I don't think that on paper, Mike Tomlin is necessarily like a, a handsome man kind of thing, but I think he just kind of like commands the screen because he is just so Mike Tomlin. I love that uh, even when they won last week, he was like, yeah, basically that was junior varsity. Um, Mm -hmm. We're better than that. So he he called his team junior varsity after they beat a, uh, um, you know, a a, a rival. But he is just hilarious. Again, I just think he is just so perfectly himself at all times, which is what you ask of any good TV personality. Um, You know, (laughs) letterman or otherwise you're just like i know what i'm gonna get when i tune this guy on uh and mike tomlin is always just so mike tomlin yeah mike mike tomlin could play a football coach in any movie uh, <laughs> and he I should think, in every movie yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the de facto football coach um i think a decently handsome man perhaps my my steelers love you know ships that a little bit um but yeah i think he does what any good coach does across sports is you know, when the team's playing well, you know, you make it about the team. And when they're not playing well, you can get in front of the media and make it about him and, and, and start these, these, these side discussions that take pressure off the team. 
not dissimilar from Jose Mourinho calling his team of a bunch of uh, little ponies in the horse race. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is only junior varsity is very akin to the little pony speech. Yeah, perhaps a fan of the Premier League. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, next week we'll we'll bring you back when we do our power rankings of handsome NFL quarterback uh, head coaches. <laughs> uh, so uh, we've just got a couple minutes left with you, David. So uh, know that you're a big NBA fan. What are you most looking forward to in this season? I know you don't really have a favorite team. You just kind of subscribe to the association. So, like, uh, what, Which starts in two weeks. Which starts in two weeks. So, like, what are you most looking forward to? Sure. Uh, my narratives, I can't wait for the NBA to, NBA to be back. Uh, I think it's such a well-run league. The bubble was a blast. Um, and so my hot takes, which are not great hot takes, Eighth seeds. <laughs> yes. We got some really interesting eighth seeds coming in to, to make the NBA playoffs this year. Um, you know, the Suns, I think, with Chris Paul are going to be yeah. really fun to watch. They might be higher than the eighth seed. Um, I think Atlanta has done a really good job strengthening in the offseason and being mm-hmm. one of our closer NBA teams. If our world goes back to normal, it's fun to watch them play and go down and catch a game every once in a while and not have a terrible team to watch. The Timberwolves getting Rubio back, I think, is a lot of fun. And, you know, Ricky Rubio? Yeah, I love Ricky Rubio. How can you not? Yeah, what so if- I, I think the Timberwolves have a great team. You know, they got Anthony Edwards as the first pick in the draft. People feel mixed about, but he's athletically supremely gifted, and I think that team's going to be fun to watch. Um, you know, I did also think Detroit Pistons were going to make the playoffs last year, and that didn't happen. But nonetheless, I think there's a lot, you know, I also am really excited about Kevin Durant coming back Mm. and playing for, you know, not a terribly evil team, a lesser evil team (laughs) in the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. But no, Um, I I like your focus on the eight seeds. That's nice. And I think the Washington Wizards put themselves in the conversation this week as be an eighth seed because the top, the Lakers are so good that it's almost not interesting. There's like just a couple teams that are just so good. You're like, okay, but yeah, the eighth seed I think is generally a a trackable race. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Scott and I used to always have the conversation of the Warriors being too good, mm. and you know, being the de facto winners before the league even started. So I'm glad Durant's not on that team. I love watching Kevin Durant play, and really, you know, I'm hopeful that the Lakers aren't in that scenario. They strengthen. Yeah. You know, pretty greatly in the off season. Um, so, you know, here's hoping LeBron doesn't continue his superhuman form. And perhaps, you know, one of these pesky ace seeds can really give him a tough game in the first round of the playoffs. And, and you know, hopefully we can see an upset as much as I love to see that Lakers team play. Um, I think these ace seeds are a lot of fun coming in. Yes, um, please. Yeah. And with Kevin Durant, yeah, you know, uh, getting ready to play again. We were reminded of, I forgot what that was when he basically just said one press conference with, I'm Kevin Durant, you know, like he just, (laughs) and you know what he meant, you know, like it it wasn't a ridiculous statement. They were just like, yeah, I'm Kevin Durant. Um, I was like, yeah, I look forward to that Kevin Durant playing again because as we've talked about, um, you can't question LeBron's career and all this kind of stuff. But when the Warriors played the Cavaliers head to head, Kevin Durant was better in that final series than LeBron James. When can you ever say that? That you know, again, I don't know if that'll that'll come again. Yes, uh, Durant had maybe 
more uh, talent behind him, but just head to head, I'm going to come down and I'm going to shoot over you and you can't stop me. And he did it. When does that happen to LeBron James? Um, so I, I hope that that, that clash is possible at some point, whether it be one game, a series, we don't know, but uh, it's just nice to know that it's possible to put someone out who has precedent on their side for besting LeBron James. Well, and the problem is, is that Durant's coming off an Achilles injury, which is just so hard. It, like yeah. NBA players usually don't come back from that at full strength. So that's that's part of the tragic part of the Kevin Durant. Not that his career has been a tragedy at all, but it, this is going to be interesting to see how he comes back. And I hope it, it will be at a place where it's like, yeah, see you battling up against superheroes like LeBron. Indeed. Well, David, thank you so much. This yeah. was fantastic talking to you. We're back. This is Steve Sack Syndrome. Our thanks to David Smiley. As you can tell, I'm a big fan of David's. Uh, I miss him tremendously. And so it's always good to have him um, on the show, of course, talking about sports. But also, he's just a great presence. Just fun to talk to him. Uh, so I know we've got just a couple minutes left. Uh, we wanted to have a we have a couple of Formula One F one things that we wanted to share. We do. So uh, I loved. Yeah, David's great. Uh, as I will do sometimes. I love that he like identifies with like the the smaller player. Mm. Um, I these days, anytime someone is a little older or a bit of a, a slightly passed over, possibly <laughs> having some success, I'm like, that's me. Um, so I, I was. Inspired to see this weekend, yeah, in Formula One at the uh, the Sakir Grand Prix in Bahrain. Yes. Um, it was won by uh, Sergio Perez, um, which was great for a couple reasons. One, he is a Mexican driver. That was the first time that a Mexican driver had won a, a Formula One Grand Prix in 50 years. But more inspiring was this was his first win in 190 starts. Wow. So basically, he had raced 189 times and... Not one. And you would think somewhere along the way, he'd be like, you know what? I, ha I had a good run. <laughs> but, you know, but nope. He's like, I will win one day. And he did. 190th race. He wins. Kind of a bunch of things sort of had to fall away for him to kind of emerge as the victor. But he did. So Sergio Perez, good on you. I also just in uh, in Bahrain, uh, I think it was last week. Um we saw Roman Grosjean, 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 I don't know how to say his name, uh, but he had one of the most uh, spectacular crashes where his car actually split in half and caught on fire and he walked away from the crash, um, like literally walked away from it. Like people were, you know, kind of holding him up, helping him right. walk, but he did it, but that's just incredible. And he didn't run down the track in his underwear. I'm on fire! I'm on fire everywhere! I'm on fire! Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.